0: Welcome to the More Love, More Power podcast. Our vision is to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. Our hope is that these conversations will inspire, encourage, and even challenge you to live a naturally supernatural lifestyle, learning how to live in God's love and walk in more of His power. I just want to welcome you to the More Love, More Power podcast and... We just want to have conversations, like real and honest conversations with how to live a naturally supernatural lifestyle, um, how do we receive more of God's love so we can really just walk in more of His power and really bless and help a hurting world around us. And so I'm very excited. Uh, well, first, my name is Daniel, and I'll be your host today, and I'm very excited to have an honored guest with us, Jay Pathak, uh, who is... Very soon, going to be our Vineyard USA national director. It's true. And just want to welcome you, Jay.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be with you.
0: Yes. And uh, Jay, you are a husband to Danielle and two amazing daughters. How old are your daughters? True.
1: 17 and 15. Okay. Yep. So almost maybe going into college? Going into college next year. Oh, you know, you hope. <laughs> Uh, I mean, within the, in the in the age of COVID, it's like, what is college? I don't know, but yeah, yes, it's like yeah. And then my other daughter's a freshman this year, so
0: that's that's awesome. Yeah, and you know, really just wanted to have a, a conversation. Obviously, this is about being a naturally supernatural disciple, like, and it's a very vineyard phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to hype and manipulate, but God is just working. Mm-hmm. Um, all the time, all over the place. Uh, He's always, you know, I kind of love the imagery like he's always hovering, Mm. you know, over creation and just waiting for partnership with Mm. us. And so maybe I just want to maybe start a little bit from the beginning for you. Um, I guess, how did you get called, maybe the better way to add, I was going to say called into ministry, but maybe called into partnership or when did you first Mm. start to discover, wow, God, is using me or partnering with me? It's a good question. Um, Yeah.
1: You know, there's so many people, there's so many people that have like really clear calling. (laughs) Um, You know, you know, I wasn't raised in church. And so the amount of pastors I meet, they are like, you know, I was seven years old and I just knew I was called to be a pastor or whatever. The truth, And and that's great, by the way. I hope that's true for everybody. That'd be great if God could speak to people and lead them in that manner. Maybe it's because I wasn't raised in church. Maybe it's because the way that I came to Christ was really through, you know, an encounter and then a series of encounters. So my head and my life had to catch up to what I kind of knew experientially about who God was. It could be any number of reasons, but... Honestly, ministry flowed almost accidentally from the life I have with God. Yeah. So because I was doing things following Jesus, I would just talk to my friends, and then they, some of them started to follow Jesus. Or, you know, I'm just in stuff around church, and I would just do what people were doing. You pray for folks. You go to a small group. i read the Bible. I'm sharing my faith all the time. And... In one sense, it helped me because I didn't realize I was doing ministry. I no. thought I was just following Jesus. Like I thought, oh, this is what we're doing, right? Mm. And it wasn't until years in that people would start to go, wow, you have like so much leadership and you like share your faith with people. And I just thought, isn't that what we're doing? <laughs> I thought that's what we were doing. Yeah. And it took me a while to figure out that I was sort of outpacing normal believers mm. on accident. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was was doing things that they had never even tried because I think some of the believers that I know are just tripped up by all these thoughts in their head, like, well, I don't want to be like that, or I wouldn't want to offend someone like that, or I don't want to be too churchy like this. I had none of those. Mm. So that was the advantage. The disadvantage was I never really thought of it as though I was doing ministry. So... So, I kind of fell backward into almost every area of ministry in my life. Hmm. Pretty much every calling, I sort of fell backward into. Hmm. So, do you mean like stumbled into? No, it's almost like I'm sort of doing it. And then somebody's like, hey, I think that (laughs) makes you a pastor. And I'm like, does it? I'm just, Uh, you know, so I led a small group that became two small groups, which became three and four and five small groups. And I trained up those leaders because that's what I'd been taught. Like the little small group manual talked about how to lead a small group. You should have an assistant. You know, I mean, like yeah. so I'm just like running oh, the yeah, place. Yeah. And then when you do that a few times, somebody says, wow, you have a real call to ministry on your life. Hmm. You're like, do I? I? I'm studying philosophy to be a lawyer. I, I'm not trying to be a pastor. I'm just... Doing okay. this, I don't know. I'm just doing the thing. I thought you told me this is what we're supposed to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, early early coming to Christ, uh, looking back, it was definitely the Lord. Um, I was in a little Baptist church and I was a brand new believer. This guy gave me a tape by a guy named Dawson Trot. Okay. You know that name? Mm-mm. He was the founder of the Navigators.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I know that.
1: And the tape was called Born to Reproduce. Which, by the way, you can find online. It's one of the most important messages of my life that wow. I've ever heard. Yeah. Okay. His basic argument is this. Um, maturity is not measured in passion. You know, there's lots of passionate people who aren't very mature. As an early believer, you watch passionate people and you think, oh, that guy really wants to be mature. He's like mm-hmm. shouting louder than everyone else. or He's crying more, or whatever. It's not measured in... Um, passion. Mm. That passion has to move towards activity. Like you're actually doing the things to follow Jesus. But then you realize activity doesn't even mm. make for maturity, right? Like there's people that come in the doors every time the doors are open. But for all of their activity, the next thing, they don't produce anything. Mm. So activity has to have production. So he says, and so then I realized, oh, that's maturity. Like not just you're passionate, not just there's activity, but you're producing things. So fruit is produced in your life. Fruit mm. is produced in other people's lives. Fruit is produced out of the work of your life with your friendships or whatever, like the kingdom. Is yeah. He says, but then I realized many years later, it's not even production that creates maturity. It's reproduction. Mm. Whatever God's entrusted to you should be invested in people in a way that they can entrust it to others, right? This is Paul to Timothy. Yeah. Anything you've ever seen me do, in the witness of many others, say or do, entrust to faithful men that will teach others. So Mm. Paul gives a three chain, you know, three rings. And I heard this talk when I'd known the Lord like a few weeks. Wow. And again. Foundational. I just thought, Okay, that's what we do. You know, I mean, like, again, like, that isn't what a pastor does. Mm. That's what a believer does. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I walked out and I had some dudes I played tennis with, or, hey, um, there's this stuff that God has done in my life. Do you know about Jesus? And I helped them follow Jesus. So then I helped them learn to share their faith with other people who show their faith with other people. Which is why then when I'm in the vineyard, I lead a small group to lead mm. another small group, lead another small Well, it turns out if you have five small groups, you have a ministry, you know. But I wasn't trying to build a ministry. I was just <laughs> leading small groups. And and so I ended huh. up being hired by the Columbus Vineyard to do small groups with Joshua House, this young adult thing.
0: Yeah. I've been to Breathe. Okay, that's right.
1: Yeah. So, so a couple a of
0: festivals. Breathe right. festivals. Breathe is a young adult festival that yes. Joshua House and Columbus Vineyard put on.
1: That's right. And so Eric was the lead pastor yes. of, of Joshua House and I worked for Eric and Mark Tyndall before him. And I literally just led small groups, So I would lead small groups and multiply small groups. So over the course of those five years, I would lead three to five small groups a year mm. and multiply them. Wow. So at the end of that, it was like, I don't know, 18, 19 groups. And then... Those group produced another whole set of groups. So I think by the time when I left, it was like thirty some small groups, and they were all children. Well, except for with the exception of maybe a third of them were children and grandchildren of the groups that we'd been leading. Wow! In the same time in Joshua House, I think I preached maybe three times on the stage. Yeah. May, I mean. So, everything I was doing was behind the scenes, you know, a class for leadership development, everything. Mm-hmm. And then I was teaching in like the youth group here and there. But even so, that's why you asked me a simple question. It's complicated because I wasn't ever at any moment thinking, and now I'm a master looking you know? for this. No. Yeah. No. Like you were just following Jesus and yeah. doing what you're Yeah. Oh, and you're so, people would come to me and they go, I have a call in my life. I'm always like, tell me about. Who are you leading to Christ? How are you making disciples? How are you training and reproducing leaders? Mm. And how are you releasing them? Yeah. Show me. Yeah. You don't have to tell me. Yeah. Show me. Right. And then I'll know if you're a pastor. Yeah. Wow. And if you want to plant a church, show me how you have already planted a church in the church room. Yeah. Because that's effectively what we did. We planted a church in the Columbus Vineyard. Right. Which is way easier because they pay the bills. Yes. <laughs> there's a building. There's a lot street. of systems worked out there. Yeah. yeah, But a lot of that served me incredibly when we went to then plant a church, which yeah. was a call. Like we had a supernatural encounter to do
0: mm-hmm. that.
1: There, all those muscles still work. Now, they, they work differently. It takes different kind of work, mm-hmm. but they're all the same kind of muscles. Yeah. Um, so even when people say, I'm going to be a preacher, it's like, well, have you led a small group? Do people yeah. come? Do yeah. they like it? Does yeah. it grow? <laughs> yeah. Can you multiply those gifts into the life of others? Most churches, if they just would build five or six small groups, yeah, they'd have a, like a substantial church.
0: Yeah, everything I learned, I, I, I know, was from small group. Like, yes, every awkward moment, every mm-hmm. you know, learning ministry, hearing God's voice, all of that, pastoring people, pastoring people, all of it, all of it, teaching. So I'm curious. So when, when was the shift of I'm um, a philosophy mm-hmm. major to be a lawyer to, oh, uh, God's doing something different with me?
1: There's so many moments. Again, there, was, there were smaller and bigger ones. I mean, one would be when Rich Nathan called me out of nowhere. I, I don't remember having a conversation mm-hmm. with him more than three minutes before that. Yeah. And I'm waiting tables. I mean, I actually went to meet with him on a break or a, where I was working at a banquet place, doing big banquets. I think I'd worked like 70 hours that week. So I show up literally like in my uniform to meet him. And we walk around the parking lot and he asked me all these questions. And I'm kind of intimidated, like, I don't even know. If, you know, he's a big deal. And probably halfway through the conversation, he's like, well, I'd like to ask you to be my intern. Mm-hmm. And you can be a research intern. I'm like, why? Like, I don't, I don't think I want to be a pastor. You know, I don't even know what this is. Wow. And he was yeah. like, well, Jay. He said <laughs> something really – this is one of the best compliments I ever had in my life. He said, the truth is you're not qualified for the job. I have way more qualified candidates who applied, and you didn't even apply. I'm, like, going to ask you. Hmm. But here's why. There's all kinds of things I can give people. There's one thing I can't give people. And that is hunger and thirst for God. And you hunger and thirst for God. Mm. I can tell. Because I can feed people who are hungry. Yeah. But I can't, for whatever reason, a miracle is I can't make people hungry. Wow. He said, so I'd like to invest in your life to that end. And who knows what God will do with your life. Yeah. You might be a lawyer. You might, you know, I don't know. Did you change my life.
0: Yeah. Did you... Did you sense that hunger? Like, like you, maybe you would have put it
1: that way. Or no, something. I'm hungry for God. You know, people say but that. But that's what's ironic is, yeah. again, I don't think I realized that what I was experiencing was unusual. Mm-hmm. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, like, it does. And I, I mean, it's almost a little embarrassing <laughs> to have to admit it like that because it's like, wow, are you that dense? But. It really was. But so then in the midst of those moments, the Lord of course speaks you in different ways and there's different kinds of fruit and favor. And then you're like, well, maybe I could do this. And and then God shows up and there's a prophetic thing. And you know, so each, honestly, each step in my life toward calling, I mean, all the way to being appointed the national director Mm. was like, wow, that doesn't fit. Like, I didn't agree to that. Why, why, Mm. why? why would I do that? I I love my life. I feel called to what I do. And I love serving the vineyard. Yeah. I guess we make some space when we pray and let's seek the Lord and let's get counsel. And it was just confirmed repeatedly where it's like, wow, oh my goodness, this might be the Lord. And then, of course, we had to wait and see Mm. is that what the discernment of the executive team is? Right. When it was, it was like, well, this must be the Lord. Yeah. So those are very, so again, like I don't know that I'd recommend the way... <laughs> no, for real. I, yeah. I, I think I love it when I meet people who are like, no, I've been called to plant a yeah. church in this place and do this. Yeah. And I'm like, praise God, that's yeah. cool.
0: Focus and
1: clarity. But I know. also think sometimes we can get a little... I mean, at the risk of offending, we can become Gnostic. Like, mm. because I've had some kind of supernatural experience that's sort of in the heavenlies. This is obviously what I'm supposed to do when the real world is a good, like, litmus test mm-hmm. of who you are and what God has made you to do. Yeah. Like, do, if you want to be a leader, do people follow? Right. Are you a servant in a way that they're, you know, not just because they have to, but because they want to, responding to your, Leadership to your wisdom, to your counsel, to your care—those yeah. are things that you can just measure. Yeah, I mean, where's the fruit? That's right. Yeah. Is this real? And you don't mm-hmm. have to be given a position to do ministry. Right. Actually, position should be given to those who are doing ministry. Right. <laughs> like so, <laughs> functional leadership. Precisely. Now, of course, they might be doing in the margins of their life, and so maybe if this was their job, they could do more. I mean, I, I'm not saying employing people doesn't help them do work, but we shouldn't guess on people. Like, I hope, man, I wonder if you could do this. It's like, well, you already are doing this with the time you have. What if we gave you double that time or triple that time, or if you have got to do this full time? Mm -hmm. Think of what you could do. Yeah. So many people that aspire for ministry, and for me, it's lead and multiply great ministry in the lives of others. Yeah. And then you'll probably I mean, someone will have to hire you because you'll just be creating too much ministry. Yeah, right. (laughs)
0: Like
1: we're fools not to (laughs) bless
0: what the Lord is doing, right? Precisely. Yeah, Yeah, just Just partner. So I want to kind of shift to um, maybe when you were planting your church, Mm -hmm. because I think we met, I I forget when
1: we first met. um, I remember hanging out with you in Galveston for a minute. That's what I remember.
0: Yeah. So, and I don't mm-hmm. remember what year that was, but you had already planted then. We were right? planted. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: And I, so I might've met you at a brief festival,
0: but yep. you know, very briefly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I do thing. remember that. I remember actually
1: talking to you yeah. on the couches in our house at Galveston.
0: Yeah. Right. So, okay. So I, am already, already guessing maybe your answer to this, but I don't know if anybody's told you this, but you're actually very prophetic. Okay. <laughs> Good, yeah. <laughs> um I you know, I know you would never say prophet, but I, I do sense that mm-hmm. you have a very strong like heart of the father mm-hmm. when you prophesy, when you mm-hmm. speak God's heart to people and mm-hmm. he shows you things, they're mm-hmm. often very accurate. Um and I just remember hearing some stories mm-hmm. like, you know, even how you built your church. Mm-hmm you know, you would have parties and you would go to bars and yep. there was a lot of, you know, very natural, yep. non-hype, but very supernatural. Yes. Um, And I, I guess I, you know, I'm guessing you're going to answer, well, I didn't try to develop that. I just, you know, followed Jesus. But yeah, you do have a prophetic gift um, and it's, it's very strong. And I, I think I just how did that work or does anything come to mind as you were stewarding Mm. that or partnering with the Lord, what he was doing in Arvada or in Denver in kind of the, but you were doing it in a very supernatural way. I mean, I just remember some of your stories of like, you know, you know, the spirit really coming and delivering and helping people and and they would join your church. (laughs) That's right.
1: So that's a, that's a good question. I'd have to reflect on that more. Because it's exactly what you're saying, which was we were doing what seemed to be in front of us. Mm. I mean, the the great advantage of planting a church Mm. is there's nothing to manage or maintain, right? There's no, you don't even have a service. You don't have a budget. You don't have a building. You don't have gear. You have nothing. Yeah. Which makes a lot of people really sad because they're planting a church because they want all those things, which is fair. But when the advantage is, you have freedom to just be with people, mm-hmm. and and honestly, I think my gifts and a lot of the gifts of our team, fired to just be social people. I know that's not everybody, mm-hmm. but like my ideal moment, my my sort of like moments of most clarity and favor are somewhere between. 1030 and one in the morning, you know, in some kind of environment where we've been hanging out for a while and enough trust and safety's been built that you can say something really clear and direct and meaningful. Mm. because you've been together in sort of a relaxed space, sort of like the way you watch Jesus do ministry in these yeah. parties, right? Like right. it's this meal and all this is happening mm. and he's like, Hey, I want to I say something to you.
0: Mm. And it
1: like, that's what we read. We read that little bit in the gospel, right? We get the impression that it was happening in the context where people, their defenses are down, you know, at the wedding or mm. at the party at Simon's house or wherever. And so in some ways it was strategic, but in other ways it was just reacting and responding to what came very naturally to us. And frankly, there isn't a whole lot of other stuff to do. I mean, you know, we have like 10 people in a small group. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that takes about an hour and a half a week. And then you try to do maybe something on a Sunday. Yeah, And then you have all this other time where you're like, what does it mean for us to be the church? And so, and then we would show up in those rooms expecting God to speak and lead. And you're right. I mean, the vast majority of the folks we've seen come to Christ in our city and in our church came to Christ through prophetic mm. experiences where we say, yeah, I think this is what God has mm. for your life. This is what God would say to you. And they encounter the Lord and they're like, what is this? Well, this is the life and the hope of Jesus. Yeah. So uh, healing, you know, all those different kinds of Yes. Yeah. But in other words, it wasn't, I what makes me nervous in a lot of sort of the prophetic and healing conversations Mm -hmm. is we think we have to create like the perfect set of variables. You know, if the worship music is just so, and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the sound has been EQ'd at the right level. And if we can get people to stand in the right place after the right sermon, where they're, you know, there's still the worship playing, but it's not too loud. So we make sure it's, outside of where the speaker, you know, all this stuff that we sort of imagine yeah, for right. a ministry moment is shockingly absent from the New Testament mm. and from the early church. And most of the stuff that's happening supernaturally is not even in a church context. Yeah, It's not even the synagogue. And I'm not saying I love all that stuff, too. We have to train people in those environments. I mean, right. this conference, things that we're doing— help people, but that's practice. Right. For the real life. For real life, For real life. whereas where you work, across yeah. the fence in your neighborhood. You know, in a moment with family that's tense or stressful, like how do we mm. invite and minister out of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit? It's because we practiced on a Sunday or on a Wednesday in small groups. That's good. That's right. And so when you're in a church plant, that's what you got. Yeah. So that was a lot of what we did. And it yeah. was – and P.S. it's kind of fun. I mean like I think sometimes people make life harder than it needs to be. Like mm. do you enjoy mm-hmm. being with people in a fun environment? Most people do. Well, what if that counted? Like what if we counted that as ministry and you showed up yeah. to minister? Yeah. It's pretty
0: freeing. Yeah. That's awesome. What, like when – again, this is just trying to help people get a little bit of practicality – um maybe it's more like how what is it like for you to hear God or how do you know or how did you learn to hone yeah it's like good. his voice for you now I know it'll be unique
1: to everybody it is it's so unique I, I think um is it a hunch is it a what's it's, what? it's more <laughs> I, it's interesting to hear you reflect on how you experience me because <laughs> truly because you're saying a thing that I don't know that I've put language to mm. I mean, I think for me, I'm aware that the Lord is with me when I'm a, when I have a deep sense of affection mm. or care for those who I'm in their presence. And I think it, what I'm trying to say is, I think I'm catching the heart of God. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like there's there's a way that the Lord is extending himself toward people. And this can be in a party, it could be in a bar, it could be at a family gathering, it doesn't matter. And in the midst of being with them, it's like something happens where my affections are stirred to care for someone. Mm. And then it's in that context that like thoughts or feelings or impressions start to come into my mind or into my heart and then I'm like, oh, this is probably the Lord.
0: Right. You know, yeah. so
1: so it's not like I know some people refer to the prophetic stuff as sort of an intrusive thought. And that does happen to me. Like you're going along and then this other thing happens. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's less of a thought. It's more of an experience. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm experiencing God's care or affection or sense. I, 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 another way I describe it is, you know, almost, you know, sometimes in a movie. They they tell you what's going to happen. Before they tell you what's gonna happen because they change the music. Mm. You know, like like, You're like, like something. <laughs> <it's happened. laughs> you don't know what's about to happen. But they're just like laughing and talking, all of a sudden it's mm. do-do. You know, like, uh-oh, something's about to happen, right? You know, that's yeah. the jaws. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like yeah. they're laughing and splashing mm. in the water and do they don't yeah. even change the camera angle. Yeah. That's in a negative way. Yeah, right. But sometimes positively, they'll do the same thing. Like, they'll be laughing, talking, and all of a sudden, like, the high strings come mm-hmm. in. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. something light or interesting is about to happen. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. I'll be in a moment. I'll be with people. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like I can feel like. You hear I'm, strings. I'm just Yeah, saying. yeah, the music changes. But it's more like in my affections. Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. The Lord, the Lord's with us in a way that I'm paying attention to differently. Mm-hmm. Like, my heart shifts. And all it takes is a little internal dialogue then to go, okay, Lord, so what are you saying? What are you doing? Mm. Almost like hearing the music change in the scene, like, wait a minute, something's up. Yeah. And then trying to look like where, who is that for? Where's that coming from? Oh, that guy. I mean, if I'm standing with four or five people, huh, that person, or if I'm talking to one person, I know it's that. What. Well- if it's a group of five, I, I'm mm-hmm. just getting real particular. Yeah. What, what, what highlights you? Well, it's almost like the music gets louder. It, it's mm. like, it's like the way the camera shifts, yeah. right? Like, like yeah. the music starts and then the they camera moves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. yeah. okay. The camera moves towards or this person. person. You know, it's almost like in movies, that little romantic scene where, mm-hmm. it, and it's like, and then it like moves towards like the girl and you can yeah. see him like, Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm married. So it's not, it's not that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm, did, I'm, yes. saying no. I'm married. I love my wife. I yes, sure. that. Yes. But what I'm saying is it's that it's that sense of focus yeah. with a sense of the affection of the heart of God. Yeah. And then again, I'm having a little dialogue. And sometimes I'll just zone in. And again, these things aren't—they don't have to be woo-woo-y or Gnostic. Like, you can just look at someone and be like, so, hey, um, tell me about this or— mm. Are you married or, you know, like whatever's coming to your mind, you can test it out. You don't have to like guess. Right. So like yesterday, I'm in the back of the room, just doing a workshop, there's this couple sitting in front of me and they're just highlighted to me. Mm. And I have a sense of God's deep affection for them. Mm. And the only thing I keep hearing is almost like the way a father would want to say, he didn't do anything wrong. Mm. He didn't do anything wrong. It's literally the phrase in my mind. And almost like, you know, the way that a dad would pick up a kid who fell off their bike. Mm -hmm. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It's okay. Like, you scraped your knee. It's okay. Come on. This is part. This is how we learn. So the workshop ended. And I just walked over and said, can I just pray for you guys for a minute? Sure. And I walk over and I said, and as I was standing with them, it's almost like the music, like it gets clearer. It's almost Mm -hmm. like a radio station you tune into. Mm -hmm. And I was like, are you guys in the midst of like a major transition? And they said, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I want to pray for you first Words I said is you didn't do anything wrong, mm. and they just fell apart. Wow, and I said those things like it's almost like you just fell off your bike, it's mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. it's okay, and you know, prayed for them. And you know, some more things happened. Then we ended, and they said, Well, we were on the mission field, and we realized there were some things that we felt like were out of integrity, and mm. we moved home. Without any plan or anything, we've been home. We don't know what to do. And all we keep asking is, "Did we do something wrong?" Yeah. Wow. And that's the power of prophecy. Like, yeah. there's no Bible. I mean, listen, there's plenty of Bible verses they could have read that would tell them you're loved, and no matter what you right. do, you know what? but there's no Bible verse that says you moved home from the mission field out of integrity, mm-hmm. and you didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. This is just one of the bumps and bruises that happens. Yeah. When you try to follow me, it's okay. I'm with you. Let's get back on the bike. There's no verse they could read that would say that, but a prophetic moment. Yeah. And, you know, they were so great. You know, I saw them again this morning and they were like, that changed everything. It's like something unlocked in Mm -hmm. our hearts where we're like, we don't have to be afraid. Yeah. We don't have to know what to do next. God is leading. He sees us. But it all happened in that sort of progressive sense. I think about in Acts where mm. Philip, the Lord, just says, go down the road. He goes, which road? That road. Goes down the road. Stand by the chariot. Mm-hmm. Stand by that chariot. Yep, that chariot. Stands by the chariot. You know, like At no point did he know what the next thing yeah, was. just moves of obedience. Do the next ends. thing. Yeah. Do the next thing. And then while stand in the chariot, he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading. Mm. Yeah. And he just pops into the chair and goes, Hey, yeah. what do you think about what you're reading? He goes, I'm wondering, who is this? Yeah. And he says, from that moment, he told him about Jesus. Yeah. Okay, I don't know about you, but if I just heard a voice say, go down the road, I would go, <laughs> why? why? <laughs> you know, Exactly what I would say. For yeah. what purpose? Right. What will I do next? Mm-hmm. And if you don't hear anything, you'd think, eh, I'm just going to go to lunch, right? Lucky. Yeah. But Philip's like, all right. You know, and he takes yeah. one. And then and then that ends, of course, with him being teleported, which is a pretty right. cool which way the story amazing. ends. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, but at each point, there's no point at which Philip knew the next thing. Mm-hmm. But he had a sense that something was happening to do the next thing. Yeah. And P.S., that transforms the history of a whole part of the world. You know, if you're in right. Ethiopia— the Ethiopian church traces yeah. their lineage back to this random encounter yeah. all the way back from Jerusalem. So powerful. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it shows you just the sensitivity yes. that he had. Yes. To just, I hear you say something and I go. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. And who knows how many other things he did and right. it didn't work or it was kind of like a nothing. You know, yeah. and that's not so bad either. Just hearing you kind
0: of talk how. The Lord speaks to you. I mean, it. I just keep seeing all these verses from Jesus, mm-hmm. like, moved with compassion. Yes. He changed something. Yes. He healed someone. Yes. He spoke dead. Yes. To come to life. That yes. kind of thing.
1: Yes. So it's, it's cool that, you know, you and Jesus have this thing. Well, we're working <laughs> on it. You know, and a lot of it is your own personal healing. Yeah. You know, people, people are often afraid of their own emotions for good reason if they've had trauma, Mm. if they've been manipulated or hurt in different ways, they're like, can I trust this feeling? Mm. Can I trust, you know, or if they've had lust or different ways that desires have been disordered in their life where they've been sexually inappropriate or someone's done sexually inappropriate things to them. A lot of that stuff gets shut down and it's like, well, is the fact that I'm, noticing this person, like, sexualized? Ugh, I don't know. And, you know, I just got to avoid that. Yeah. But often God works in that stuff, like you're saying. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, if moved by compassion, he blah, blah, blah. Well, what if you've been traumatized sexually? Yeah. If you, When you start to feel affection towards someone, it can right. feel like, am I going to get abused? Right. Those are scary things which require a different kind of healing process in right. your own life. Yeah. A lot of people have not done that inner work and so yeah. they don't know how to discern God's heart. Yeah.
0: And it's often that a, a prophetic word can help them
1: it start can. To unlock that and certainly imagine, can. You know? That's right. I agree. Yeah. Yep.
0: So kind of as we close in on the end here, I know part, you know, part of the prophecy we're talking about is um, you know, more personal, mm-hmm. more, you know, how God partners in ministry, but I also sense this thing on you. And I I think some of it is, you know, why he has chosen you Mm. to lead the vineyard movement. Mm -hmm. And um, even in a significant time where it's a, Mm. it's a generational shift and what did you sense the spirit of saying for the vineyard, for the church one, you know, even focus, like how can we partner with what he is bringing?
1: Well, I mean, listen, we have such a great heritage in our movement. And, you know, at the National Conference, which is not that long ago, it was really important for me, with Phil, for us to say, as much as things are changing, there's a whole bunch of things that aren't. Mm. About who we've been. We, We are a people of the Spirit and of the Kingdom. We are people that proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are people that work on behalf of justice in our cities for the sake of the poor and reconciling communities. This is who we are. This is who we've always been. Amen. So as much as things change by way of function and form and leadership, and, um, those things don't change. So that's really important to me to, yeah. to keep emphasizing. And I think at the National Conference, I think we demonstrate that by showing the new leaders are embodying what has always been true of us, right? So I know that for those who have been around a while, it's like, man, these people don't look like the people I knew. They don't talk like the way that people people maybe talked when I've led. Mm. But it was it's important for us to keep reemphasizing we're in continuity with what has come before us, not just in sort of an honoring sense, but in a way of that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. What he has been doing is what he is doing. Yeah. I would say, though, by way of emphasis within that, all I would want to say is I think the vineyard historically has been healthiest when we're not just focused on the vineyard. Amen. You know, the vineyard has an incredible heritage through John Wimber, guys like Don Williams, Bob and Penny Fulton, of blessing the larger body of Christ. That's good. Like the amount of influence we've had outside of the vineyard, it's got to be at least 10 times of what vineyard churches are. Mm. Whether it's the incredible ministry with the Anglican church or maybe even amongst uh, Catholics, you know, we've had this massive impact in some of what they've done, the charismatic Catholic renewal. Wow. You know, even the relationships we had with unlikely... Um, brothers and sisters, I mean that is sort of connected to like Don Williams comes from Presbyterian mm. background, right? Yeah. That that beautiful tradition from the Reformed tradition of preaching and expositing the Scriptures. Uh, so we've had we've been beneficiaries, and we've been people who have blessed the larger body of Christ. And a lot of that happened in a window where we were like sort of the cool kids on the block, right? Mm. Like people were coming Mm. to our events. But my experience in these days is that what God has given the vineyard by way of the ministry of the Spirit, being naturally supernatural, is as needed in the larger body of Christ as ever. Amen. I totally agree with that. But the difference is... Mm. We're not the cool kids on the block, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so what we have to decide is, if we believe that's true, which I think it is, then we have to say we're happy to show up in their rooms hmm. where we're invited to just be brothers and sisters. We might not even be able to be on the stage. Yeah. The vast majority of the rooms I'm in where I'm ministering are in the corners and in the hallways and over lunches and dinners with pastors and people are just consistently like, oh my goodness, Like, I'm so glad a vineyard pastor's here. Mm. Because you have a prophetic word for a guy in the back of the room, or <laughs> you're ministering to someone as you're having lunch, like, you know, I, I just, I think God would want to say this to you, or, and they're like, and, and it's usually like people kind of secretly pull you aside and go, man, I, let me tell you my vineyard story. Like the vineyard has had such an impact on my own life personally. and.'" Wow. I've experienced this with my Reformed brothers and sisters or within, you know, our, our dear friends in the evangelical covenant love the vineyard or within the Catholic church. And you know, I've gotten had the great opportunity to do stuff with the Vatican and with different Catholics here in the U.S. And how many times like, oh, my goodness, the vineyard, would you just come to the, you know, this meeting? We're doing this meeting with pastors. Would you just be there and mm. listen to the Lord and minister to people? Um, My Southern Baptist friends. I mean, this is everywhere I'm going. I had this incredible interaction with Matt Chandler recently. um, He was at a meeting I was at. and We had a chance to pray. And it would take too long to describe. But my point is, is like, those were the stories that were common in the history of the Vineyard. Wow. Yeah. Was Wimber is on TBN, and (laughs) then he's also doing stuff with the Archbishop of Canterbury, right? Like, in the Anglican Church. Like, Mm -hmm. he's... Connecting with Dallas Seminary profs, but then also with Pentecostals or with um, even Schuller, mm. you know, in California, which mm-hmm. is this other whole strand. You know, so that is our heritage. And the Vineyard occupies this space where we're actual Bible believing evangelicals that move in the presence and the power of the Spirit. Yeah. So we fit this interesting in between that if we believe that's a place that we have in God's in the body of Christ, it means that we have to minister from that place mm. when we're not the cool kids on the block. Yeah. And I think that's something that's being restored to the vineyard and frankly, our heart for the lost. I mean, mm. the ministry of the spirit and helping people come to Christ has, is our heritage, yeah. I mean, I just got to see Bob Fulton again at the national conference. And just hearing the stories of hundreds and thousands of people coming to Christ, baptized on the beach. Yeah. But the ministry of the Spirit was never intended to be locked into conference experiences. Amen. But for the equipping of people living their lives. To go out. To go out and just do their life. Yeah. Like reach to a neighbor and yeah. talk to their family members and people that they do business with. and. Pray for them and express the love of God through the presence and the power of the Spirit and proclaiming the gospel and yeah. making disciples. Like that's just who we were. That's who yeah. we are. And but I think sometimes we can get confused and mm-hmm. we end up stuck trying to, especially coming out of COVID. Like, yeah, gosh, so many people left. And, how are we getting to come back? And, you know, I mean, yeah. man, I'm doing this stupid Zoom preaching. And, you know, yeah. like all these
0: things get clogged up. You can get focused on just totally. the wrong things or the different things.
1: But we're part of the body of Christ. Yeah. We're for the sake of the lost in the cities that God has in place us. And That's good. So these aren't new thoughts, right? Right. I think it's a reclaiming of who we've always been intended mm-hmm. to be. And my prayer would be for us to see a resurgence in specifically universities. I think God wants to place us in those cities again. Yeah. University towns. In larger cities, I think God's given us favor where we've never really Mm. planted churches in some of the larger cities in the U.S. I think God has given us grace to do that. And there's a new generation of folks that need very intentional training and equipping. Yeah. Which you know, even that first generation of vineyard leaders, we borrowed from other mm. backgrounds. You know, they already came through an evangelical seminary, and then they were encountered the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, a lot of the folks that have grown up in the vineyard, don't have a lot of that rooting theologically, don't have that training, and we need to build more training mechanisms to get that done. Yeah. That's good. For the sake of a new generation of our own children, and we can do that by partnering with outside institutions, which I hopefully we do, but also building our own training yeah. from the inside. That's really good. Yeah.
0: Hey, would you just take a moment, you know, just for those listening, would you just pray? Sure. You know, whatever you sense, uh, it could be partnering with prophetic, it could be partnering with what God's doing. I, I do love the heart. Like, I've always just been fascinated at, you know, the Vineyard, Div- just empowered evangelicals. It's the it's the blessing of the the larger church. Mm-hmm. With how to hear God. And what what's interesting, because I'm involved with the School the Kingdom Ministry now, you know, it's kind of like ambassadors of the Holy Spirit yeah. in their city. Like, that's what's happening. Totally. And anyway, just, just pray, bless, and anything that comes to mind, I, I just think it's... I'd love to pray. Yeah.
1: So, Lord, I do pray for anybody listening. I think about things we talked about here. I pray for every one of us, Lord, would you allow our vision to be laser focused and really, really small that in any moment we're in, we are helping the lost come home. We're looking at people who have no life with you and just saying, have you considered Jesus? And we're discerning what you're saying by your spirit. And Lord, in the environments where we're with believers, would you help us to make disciples? Very intentional ways of making disciples but that are maturing in their life with you. But also, Lord, anything you've given to us, would you help us reproduce it in the life of others? That Anything given us, we don't just give it to people, but we teach them and how to give it away. So I pray for the, the, that maturity of reproduction. And Lord, I pray especially for leaders and pastors. God, we can get in the mode where we're just doing stuff all the time. Help us learn how to reproduce leadership in others. Teach us how to do that. It's a different set of gifts, and we need that, Lord, for the sake of uh, expanding an exponent on the ministry, not just addition. So we pray for grace for that. And, Lord, would you give us eyes to see our cities, you know, the body of Christ, Lord. Show us the churches that we can serve. Show us the pastors and the leaders that aren't in the vineyard or within our own tribe, whoever we are, that we can say, man, I love... I love the body of Christ, and I'm happy to show up at their thing. I'm happy to show up and bless them and pray for them. Show us how to do that, to give and to receive from the larger body of Christ. Teach us how to do that. And I pray that we have a heart for the law. Show us those who are far from you in our cities. Give us favor to call them home into life with you, Lord Jesus. So I pray power upon you by the Holy Spirit that you could just make steps in faith and that you wouldn't just be reactive and trying to manage your life, but you would join with him, keep in step with his spirit to do what he's doing everywhere you go. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Thanks so much, Jay. Yeah, of course. really appreciate it. It's fun.
0: Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.